Greetings and salutations to our fine podcast audience. Welcome to episode 144. Oh, we made it. Yes. Happy uh, November. Happy November. Yeah, it's uh, dropping on November the 1st. Today. There you go. That's, hey. that's what it's this episode November is. November the 1st. It right is. Now. It is. So welcome to the podcast. My name is Jason. This is Ed. This is Nathan. Teaching team at Community Christian that we are a part of. And we come together every week and uh, answer some of your questions. Talk about how to live like and think like Jesus in our world. Got another great question, as I teased last week. Um, uh, we are still uh, at the same place where we were last week, uh, distracted with the Braves game. <laughs> now, by November 1st, how long is a is a Well, I was just thinking. They could be out by I now. think the World Series might be either over or happening for sure. Wow. It's happening for how sure. How long is it? How, how, how many you got to win? Well, this one that this we're watching right five. is the first game of five. Got to win three in this one. That is exactly what the play, NBA play. Well, best out of seven. Well, 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 the next, well, well, the next, the next one is seven. seven. Well, I think that's fine as you go on, but the yeah. first round, you know, well, the first round games. this time in baseball was best out of three. Two out of three. Oh. Then this is the three out of five. Yeah, that's, a, that's because that's, the, that's, a, that's a good playoff for the sake of competition. Read money for the mm. sake of mo- competition. We uh, put more people in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, well, that's not good. We played seven months. How many? The teams? NBA puts everybody in play. No, not everybody, but a lot of them. We get about half the team. Half of them get Well, in our division, three-quarters of the teams made the playoffs. That's true. In our particular division, three of the four teams were in the playoffs. So we played a seven-month season to eliminate the team in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. Which should always be the goal of every playoff is whatever team is in Florida should just be eliminated. Yep. Uh Uh-oh. They, we took, just, they just took our picture out. They took Max out. That's not good. No. So, but we have. A wouldn't question. it be great though if there was like a big comeback? And well, we that's what I'm thinking. We may have watched all of these eventually. Well, I'm going to control myself. I determined that when I brought this in here, that no matter what good or bad happens on there, I promise to stuff that down until Charlie says. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully you'll do that. All right. So, By the way, you know, we got rid of the throne, but Charlie's sitting on the throne. Which man, he is. We, put it, my we put it over there. He didn't steal it. I moved it over there. But Charlie is now on the throne, which is right because he's he in charge. He is. Because right. we want to treat Charlie good so he doesn't, you know. He doesn't leave like the other up. producers. Yeah, that's right. All right. So today's question is based on a message that uh, Nathan preached yeah, several weeks said. ago. And uh, so somebody, in fact, this question came in like the day after your message. So this was hot off the press. They are angry. They were, no, they weren't no. angry. Oh, no, they're not angry. This is not an angry oh, question. Oh, this well, is a really go. good question and, and, and very uh, complimentary of your message. They just oh. want some. Well, then let's read this twice. Uh, <laughs> next, they just want some next steps on this kind of thing. Okay, well, here so we go. Here's the question. Nathan, I, or I love Nathan's message on racism. Good job. No, I also thought. I did too. Very All right, so they say, I'm white, and as a child, my dad was racist. I'm so ashamed to admit that I sometimes still hear his rhetoric in my head, and it's sometimes pretty awful. Do you have any advice for how I can break the cycle of hearing these ingrained remarks? Also, I believe that we shouldn't pretend to be colorblind, and we should normalize talking about all of our differences, racism included. So what do you guys think? I agree with that last part. If that, if you're asking yeah, what I'm about that last part. Um, so yeah, uh, the so the main question they want to know is, uh, I've got this racism in my past within my family. Uh, how do I break the cycle of just 
you know, their, their, their comment was, I hear these remarks over and over and over again. Uh, how do I break that cycle? Jason, I feel like you would have some good advice at least on, because I think, I mean, there's two, there's, there's two different real parts of that. I mean, part of it is the, the racial aspect, but part of what they're asking is, I have unwanted thoughts. Yep. I don't want these thoughts. Yep. They're in my head, yep. which I think ev everyone experiences, whether it's racial or not, we all have unwanted thoughts. Some of that is just temptation from the enemy. You know, we talked about that, the world, the, the flesh and the devil. Part of it, though, is my flesh. Sure. Part of it is I have thought patterns. I just have things. Jason currently is in, in school uh, for counseling, for psychology. So I, I, I don't want to put you boldly <laughs> on the spot as I just have. But I figure you have some experience and maybe yeah. even some new knowledge on how to help people just deal with unwanted thoughts in general. Hmm. One of the, yeah, in that way, I hadn't planned on, yeah, that's a great point you make there. I hadn't planned on talking about this, but you're right. There, There is a, and I always tell people this uh, when we talk about this issue, I said there is a unique ability that human beings have that no other living thing on this earth has, and that ability is that we have the ability to think about our thinking. Right. right. We That's can good. think about our thoughts. We can hold them in an objective light and change them, actually. Right. They aren't, they aren't just instinctual. Now, to be fair, like you just said, there are, I guess you call them instinctual, but thoughts that just pop into your head. Like yeah. ingrained, like grooves of things. Yeah, that you have no control. And I'm not really, yeah, I'm not responsible. You don't have any they control. They come into my mind. You, you can have, um, let's, just, let's just be real for a second. You can have some pretty depraved, Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You can you can have some lustful thoughts that you didn't want in there that if anyone ever saw it, they might lock you up for. That's right. Like, hateful, hateful, hateful thoughts. Um and and yes, even racist thoughts yeah, that's right. pop into your head. Absolutely. Just like you just said. The key is, and I believe this is clearly a biblical principle, is to take what the Bible says, every thought captive. And I think what he means in that is what we talk about when we say, take the thought, analyze it, run it through uh, the filters of truth, mm -hmm. um, and and run it through the filters of what Paul said we ought to always be thinking about, things that are right, noble, pure, praiseworthy, and true. And once you've tested that thought, then you get to decide, am I going to keep this? Am I going to allow it to influence me? Am I going to obey it? Yeah. Or am I going to throw it away? And just because you have the thought, and I guess probably what I hear inside the question is, is, is the fact that I'm having these mm -hmm. thoughts mm -hmm. that come back from my past a, a problem or something that indicates that I am somehow closet closet racist somehow. Right, right. And I would say I don't I don't necessarily think so. No, just having the thoughts. Just having the, the thoughts, yeah. no. But what you do with them and how they influence you uh, that is the, the the main issue, and so, like I said, you, you you hold the thought out. I always teach people, act like the thought is something you can actually put in your hand, and, yeah. and if you right. need, if it helps you, hold it mm -hmm. out in front of you and say, now what is this thought? Here's what it says, and do I believe that? Is that true? Is that right? Is that uh, is that loving? Mm -hmm. And if it's not, and if it is not of God, I toss it away and move on. Yeah, if it's not going to help me love God and love people, sure. it is obviously not a thought I should hold on to. I can't help that it came into my head, yeah. but I can decide. I, I would, The thought of holding it captive to me is the one. When, I, when somebody's captive, 
they don't have freedom. Mm -hmm. So I take the thoughts in my mind and I don't give them freedom just to roam freely in my my spirit, my will, those things. I hold them captive until I decide. Yeah. And don't you also think, uh, to more specific to the topic, um, if you want to change your thinking over time, because like Nathan alluded to, if you do this long enough, you are able to uh, reroute the flow of your brain, right? Uh, the uh, the thinking that you have. If if you are struggling with some residual racist thinking that's from your past, um, you continue to do this, and you can change the trajectory of your thinking. Also, I think what, and you may already be doing this, but if you're not, I think it would behoove you to get around some people who are different from you and to experience them in in a place where you can, where you can learn some empathy Mm -hmm. uh, for for who they are, for what their experience might be, Mm -hmm. Um, have conversations if you're not already. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is more than just, oh, I've got a couple of black friends. Mm-hmm. That that's not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about doing life with some that's people right. that you have some, maybe some untested, preconceived mm-hmm. thoughts about who they are and what their experience is. My my guess is you will probably you'll probably change your mind real and, fast. And to go into that, you know, two years ago when uh, George Floyd was killed. Mm-hmm. Um, I began a really conscious journey uh, to try to do something to learn what what was the truth about race in our country, and and particularly I wanted to ask the believers in our church who were black and brown if they'd be willing just to tell me their experiences. The toughest part for me was to receive it without question, yes. mm-hmm. to listen unconditionally, not to say, well, this, this, yeah. this, this, mm-hmm. you have to understand not that mm-hmm. the toughest part is to say they experienced this, that's real. That's right. right. What they experienced is real. It may not be the whole story. They weren't telling me it's the whole story. Mm-hmm. But the experience is real and it began to, it created empathy in me. Mm-hmm. Um, I told, and this is a different subject, but for me, one of the biggest prejudices I had when I was in my early 20s, my dad was not a, a racial racist, but he was prejudiced toward people who were poor. Mm. If you were poor in this country, he thought you deserved it. Mm. That you, anybody in this country that didn't want to be poor, had all the capability to not be poor. And uh, I, came, I came into ministry with that thought, and I would hear those thoughts in my mind. Of, you know, if you don't want to be poor, don't be poor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, decided to do something else. And a very good Christian man who wasn't even a part of my church, but that I had been around in a civic club, listened to me for a while and basically said, hey, you know, how many poor people you spend much time around? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, not very much. He said, why don't you and I work together on starting something in our county to work for poor people? Mm-hmm. And we'll just do it side by side and we'll see what, and I'll tell you this almost six years that I worked with him on that, committing two days a week, that I would be with poor people and I would try to figure out their life and how I would actually live their life if I were in their place. I realized it was way more complicated than I thought. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it sounds like for the person who's asking that, that you are um, 
you are acknowledging this kind of uh, problem in your past, at least of of you know the your your upbringing and um, you know the, the things that your dad said or his outlook was certainly wrong. And I hope you would even use the term sinful, not as a way to call um, to judge your parents. I think it's really important that in conversations of race, we don't. You know, we don't get too bogged down into conversations about a person is racist or a person is evil. Although, obviously, the act of racism is sinful and it is evil. But the problem with doing so is it allows me to to decenter myself in the thing and to say uh, that there are people who are racist. Now, I wouldn't be racist because r- racism is bad and I'm not bad. Right. Um, and that that racism is a bigger part of the systems, as we already said on Sunday in the message, is part of our world. It's part of the systems of our world. It's also part of um, our flesh, so it gets into us, but it also, it is a scheme of the evil one, and so I think being able to um, to be able to identify those things that were said, that was racist, it was evil, it was wrong, um, and then to be able to treat it such, which means it's a, it becomes a thing of prayer for you uh, and having, I think, all the stuff Jason said uh, is something I'm, I'm learning in my life. I've been learning about the past five or six years of learning how to kind of be more mindful in my brain. What are the thoughts coming in? You know, I, I was always very good at putting a filter on. I shouldn't say I was good. I've always learned how to put a filter on my mouth. The problem is, is when you put the filter on your mouth and not your mind, stuff eventually starts leaking out. Yep. And all of us have that. But if I can put a filter on my mind and start to catch any kind of unwanted, bitter, negative, you know, we talked in the last episode about love and, you know, these unforgiving thoughts that come in my head when I can catch them and not even go down that road. And what, I, what I'm what i learning, and I heard a, a, a priest actually talk about this, and he talked about using every moment, and he was talking about lust. He said, use lust as an opportunity to pray. He said, everything's an opportunity. So when I start to lust, start to pray about it. So what I would encourage you is when those thoughts come in your head, it could be, as we've already said, it could be a groove that your mind just on. And so if you just change your thinking, it'll go away. But even if you do that, those thoughts may come in because they may be from the evil one. It may be the evil one bringing these thoughts into your mind to try and distract you. And always use that as an opportunity to go, wow, that's a hateful thought. It didn't necessarily come from me, but I'm going to pray about it and say, God, lead me into love. Lead me to do this. And and uh, I think the more that we can do that, the the other thing I would just encourage everybody, I wanted to include it in the sermon Sunday, but I think especially for, and you said you're white, for white believers, um, it is so important that we truly decenter ourselves in this conversation. What I mean is, in our world, um, this uh, idea of kind of waking up to the racial injustice in our world uh, becomes a self-improvement plan for white people. Mm-hmm. It becomes a way for me to uh, be a little more culturally educated than I was before. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to get some friends of color and I'll learn a little bit about their culture and their heritage and, and their stories. And I have all these things and it'll just be a part of me becoming less racist or me becoming more whatever. But the, the goal should always be that the kingdom of God comes. Um, the goal for believers is that justice is done and that there's unity in the church and that uh, the oppressed are lifted up and that every, you know, these kind of things are our goal. And the truth is the racism that is in my flesh keeps that from happening. So, yes, I have to deal. And that is the reason that we've said all the stuff we do. Listen to stories that you 
of people, gain friendships of people who have different experiences, deal with your thoughts. But the goal is not once you've done that, well, now I just don't have these thoughts in my head anymore. And now I don't, and I'm not saying that's your goal, but I know that I think it is almost everyone's goal at first. I'll just say, I think it is a natural, I feel really guilty about the, 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 the thoughts that are in my heads and the feelings that are in my head. But that can't be the end goal. The end goal has to be, I want to see justice done. I want to see uh, unity in the church that looks like the kingdom of God. Um, and that when that becomes your goal, then you find out uh, that eventually I get to a place. And as you put at the end, it's not that I'm colorblind. It's not that the race doesn't matter. It's that suddenly I'm, I'm appreciating all the beauty that comes into the kingdom from all these different perspectives and all these different cultures and all of this that kind of gets brought in together, um, it allows me to actually appreciate that and to be a part of it. Um, but I just think that's important. I think uh, so often, and unfortunately to the, uh, several friends have told me how exhausting it is uh, to just have to uh, hear the confessions <laughs> of white people uh, who want to just say, well, let me confess racism that I've had uh, towards other people that aren't yeah. even you, yeah. and but you're a person of color and I need to say it to you. To It becomes this very, let me, let me get this guilt off of me instead of uh, a higher goal. And I'm not saying at all, by the way, that I did not hear that in your question. No, not at all. But uh, I do think that is an important part. That is a part of us. Um, white believers in our work in this, part of the privilege that we have is the ability to walk away from the conversation and to really kind of make it about us. Uh, and we have to lay that down because this is not about us. Yeah. I, th I think it's so important for all the things you just said, and particularly the part about eventually, we want to see justice done. We want to see the kingdom come. And that's mm -hmm. what we're praying for, that God's kingdom to come. And if we all admit at some point, and we don't all because it's not true for all, that in our past we know we had relatives that were racist. Yeah, and sure. in the past we know that our culture was racist. Mm -hmm. Then what we are saying is there's a very good chance that there's been injustice that has been done and got deeply ingrained in our systems mm -hmm. that eventually I have to go beyond just understanding. I become an ally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I become someone that begins to work for because I want the kingdom of God to come. And uh, even in places where it's not the church, but the church should have influence. Everybody's wanting influence and everything else. I yeah. mean, yeah. why shouldn't we? And the way we do that is we become the example. We That's don't right. have, we root it all out in the church. Mm -hmm. I came from a similar background as the person who asked the question. And as I was listening, as I was first reading it, I, I was thinking, you know, what took me so long to really admit and to come and to, and to be honest about is that it wasn't just comments that I heard when I was growing up and they, mm -hmm. you know, stuck in my head, although they did. And it wasn't just, oh, I had a family member, but, you know, I grew up different and now I'm different. Although I, I feel like that there's a truth in that. I, I did not know until recently how much uh, I was swimming in racism. Mm -hmm. And how it, it was like being in a pool of water. And even That's when right. I got out of it, I was wet. Yeah. And it, it, it had nothing to do with me actively going out and trying to oppress anyone or to say those words or to use those names that I heard growing up. I didn't do those things. 
But I was still, again, I was still, I had it in me. I had it on mm-hmm. me. Uh, and I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And and I, I didn't know how that, how that felt to the people that I was around. And, you know, I've, I've, I've started to come to grips with some of that. Not that, like you said, Nathan, not mm-hmm. that I need to go and make some big confession, but now I need to say, okay, here's what that is. And here's what we need to do about it. Right. And, and, and not involved necessarily involving anybody else. That, that's not on me. In my areas of influence, me. I try to do what I can to bring about justice. Exactly. And, acknowledge what I swam in. That's right. Acknowledge. That's for me. That's the way it feels these days uh, for me. So. Well, and I think in particular, you know, when you read, I heard, um, I don't remember who it was I heard say this, but they used the term, you know, the word xenophobia gets thrown around a lot lately in the last four to five years in our country of this idea of the fear of the other, you know, mm-hmm. phobia being fear, xeno being other. But that they talk about what, what was so strange about Christianity when it came was that it was a, a xenophilia community, that philia meaning love. It was yep. the love of the other, that there was something about Jesus that it wasn't just, hey, and this is how I think many of us approach all, th- and I don't just mean race, I mean people who have disabilities, people, you mentioned other people of different socioeconomic classes than me, mm-hmm. often men and women, right, gender kind different of. Different ages. Yeah, yeah, different ages, you know, different generations. There seems to be a way that what most of our approach tends to be is, I'm cool with all people, and if you're cool with me, I'm cool with you, and I'll accept you if you come to me. But what is different about Jesus is this idea of seeking out, intentionally trying to find someone who is different than me, and possibly who maybe has been disadvantaged where I have been advantaged, and to try and to say, hey, how can we love one another on equal ground, as right. where I can where we can, I can actually lean on you and you can lean on me that it's not this I'm handing out to you. And so that applies to race, but it applies to all different kinds of things. And I think the thing that I would just encourage anyone who, who feels convicted, I had a couple people talk to me on Sunday about feeling convicted. And when I really started to feel convicted about this uh, years ago, my first step and kind of hearing this idea of xenophilia was I would intentionally move towards people who were different than me. And I would, I, I would to to a point that I would even get teased about it to my closest friends. They would, they, I mean, I would just be teased about Nathan's always just going. They are different than Nathan. He is moving towards them, and it became a part of. I just wanted to make sure that in my heart there is something that happens. I learned something better about even how to love people who are like me when I learn to move towards people who are different than me because what it forces me to do, and this is I think what's uncomfortable. And I mean, with anything, if you're a young person and you have to talk to someone in their 70s, or I'm sure it's the same way. If you're in your 70s, you talk to someone, there's this uncomfortable, like, I'm not sure what I can say. And I don't know what might be offensive to them. And I don't know. And so what you find yourself doing is you start thinking through everything going, well, how are they going to receive this? How are they going to feel about this? What would make them feel most comfortable when that's my goal? And the truth is, I should be taking that home with my wife and sitting with my wife right. and thinking, what would make her feel most comfortable? How is she going to receive what I'm about Because what to you're say? doing is loving. That's yes. a loving, that's that's a loving thought process. That's right. And so I would just encourage you that. And I would start in the church. Mm-hmm. So you said you're white. So when you're at church on Sunday, when you see someone who is not white and you don't know them, would you just go over and introduce yourself? And you may feel the thing that I did when I first started doing this. If they go, oh, they're coming over looking for a black friend or a Hispanic friend or what. I, I'll just tell you that has not even been the response I've ever gotten. 
and that over and over again, everyone loves to feel welcome. Everyone, when your genuine goal is not, I'm trying to collect a person, but your genuine goal is, I want to love a person and I want to know you. Everyone receives that. And I think if that would be your goal, if of rooting this out is, I want to seek out people who are different. And in my church, a community Christian, I want them to feel welcomed and sought after. I want them to feel like I was expecting them and that I want them here and that they're desired. It would change your experience, but it would change their experience too. And it would make our church look more like the kingdom. So that would be my advice to you as far as an action beyond you know your internal stuff. Yeah, that's really good. Well said. We will end on that note. All right. So uh, we have we're gonna uh, we're gonna record one more in this session, which means uh, I know what next week is about. Okay. So right. come back next week. Jason knows the future, y'all. Know the future. Oh, let's go. Uh, and uh, and the Braves are now losing by five. Right? Yes, they are. And it's we'll, getting worse the longer we bad. record. Yeah. What inning? So I'm, I'm, it's the fourth inning. It's not too That's far. Right. So we got time. We got time. So maybe during the next podcast, the Braves will be on a massive rally. We'll see. Yeah, maybe Jason's so, uh, going to come in here with a rally cap for the next episode. Ooh, wouldn't that be fun? Huh? Well, there there goes that one. Almost. <laughs> so anyway, back to the point. Next week, we've got a question about marriage. And the question is about a chapter in the Bible that seems to infer that people ought not to be married. Mm. There is a chapter that just outright says that. Well, <laughs> those words are written in they, 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 Then we're going to talk about it. There's not that. an inference. There's yeah. a statement. So we're going to talk about, is that really what it's trying to say? And uh, give some advice on that. So person's very confused about this chapter. So, yeah. It feels confusing in our culture. Well, so I think particularly in Christian culture. Yeah. So we can talk about that. Why? Save it, yeah, next, okay. save it for next week. There we go. We'll come back. We'll talk about that chapter. And we'll see you next time. Bye.